We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy for you to create your stunning website. Go to Wix.com and create your website today. It's easy and free. That's Wix.com. Welcome into the Rotowire Basketball Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can use the promo code ROTOHOOPS, that's R-O-T-O-H-O-O-P-S, for a free contest entry today. All right, it is Wednesday, January 27th. It feels weird to say. I usually say Tuesday. Josh Hayes is not with you, DJ Trainer. It is I, Nick Whalen. Some technical difficulties. You and Josh, from what I understand, recorded a Hall of Fame-level podcast uh, this afternoon, but... Our studio is having some issues here in Madison, and the audio is all messed up, so everybody that listens on Wednesday is now stuck with me filming a quick replacement podcast. 
Yes, and you will forever be known as the replacement. Uh, it was a shame. It was actually one of our longest podcasts we've ever done, of course. And for whatever reason, we themed it around working out because he called me, you know, I won't even go into it, but it was actually took some creative genius and it's all down the drain. In comes Nick Whalen. Happy to have you, bud. <laughs> out with the creative genius, in with Nick Whalen. Um, but yeah, lots to talk about in the NBA. As always, plenty of games on Tuesday. Uh, the People's Champs, the Milwaukee Bucks, 107 uh, to 100 victory over the Magic. That's the one that I watched in full. Uh, caught a little bit of Kings Blazers afterwards. You know, dabbled in some Mavs Lakers when I was feeling, uh, you know, basically had to get to bed midway through that one. Ended up missing the Dirk game winner, though. Um, but yeah, I guess, uh, are there any topics that you want to cover? This is a little bit, we apologize if it's a little scrambled. It's kind of last minute. You know, we actually, we actually have to do podcasts every day contractually. Uh, so, you know, we kind of had to get in here on short term, but is there anything you want to rehash that you talked about with Josh or anything else that you guys didn't get to? Uh, yeah, we'll just go main topics here. Obviously, if you've already downloaded this, you can probably tell that it's not going to be a long one. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Who knows? We, we actually don't know. And the listener does know how weird is that? That's a mind trip. Uh, looking at the Clippers Pacers box score, two things that me and Josh talked about that I'd like to touch down, get with you, Nick. Um, the main scoring, the Clippers win 91 to 89. We get 26 from Paul. You get 19 from Reddick. You get 15 from Wes Johnson. And then really after that, you get nothing whatsoever with Blake Griffin out of this lineup. I don't know how sustainable it is. Obviously they get a win over a decent team, but at some point you have to look at this team and be like, where's the scoring come from? Where's the production going to come from? That's a good point. And not that Josh Smith would have been a savior by any means for this team, but you look at who's getting the minutes. Mbamute plays 24. Paul Pierce plays 23. That's about the ceiling that you want Paul Pierce to play, I think. And, you know, he started this game. I think you probably want him being more of a closer type of role for you uh, rather than a starter. Wes Johnson coming off the bench. He's kind of a tweener. You know, we've seen him play the two, three, and four throughout his career, which is great, but he's not really, he's not really a great player at any of those positions, although he did go five or six from three in this one. He's become a much better shooter throughout his career. Um, they need help. And the way that this team is constructed, even once they get Blake Griffin back, I don't know if it's going to be, you know, Warriors, Spurs, even Thunder, you know, caliber, certainly not Warriors or Spurs caliber, you know, as far as what they can peak at or how good they can be. But can they even compete with those teams realistically in a playoff series right now? Probably not. You throw Blake Griffin back with this team, you know, you catch lightning in a bottle. Maybe you can maybe you can make some noise because I mean. Blake Griffin is a top three, four power forward, maybe even higher than that. Chris Paul, a top three point guard. I mean, when you have guys like that on your team, your ceiling is automatically elevated, but they just haven't put together the pieces around those guys that's really inspired a whole lot of faith. I mean, on paper, this is such a talented team. It's kind of ridiculous, but I mean, I think it partially speaks to how good the Clippers are, or how good I should say the Spurs and the Warriors are, and how good the Thunder are, that when we talk about the Clippers, we say, you know, they're a great fourth best team in the West, but there's really not much of an argument that they're any better than that. Yeah, and I want to piggyback off that. This is exactly what me and Josh talked about, and that's the last time I'm going to say it because nobody knows besides me and Josh what we talked about. Um, if you throw out the top four teams in the league, so we're talking Warriors, Spurs, Thunder, Bucks, Cavers. Right. Exactly. Uh, Cavaliers. Thanks for screwing me up, Nick. Uh, Cavers. If, <laughs> Cavers. If you throw those four teams out, there's really not a whole lot of difference between – the Clippers down to your Bucks. I mean, let's just be honest here. There's not. I a, mean, there is. There's a little bit of difference, but in reality, we don't have tiers here. We have the very cream of the crop, and then at some point, it's just a jumble. I mean, if you're going to tell me that the, the Clippers play- are 20 games better than the Bucks, man. 
I mean, there. I know. I know. You're, I know, yeah, get but, your point. I know that you're saying there's like there's the tier, you know, the big three or four kind of tier, and then there's kind of everybody else. And I totally agree with that. But I don't think it's fair to say that the Clippers and the Bucks are even in any way. Okay, that that's fine. But I mean, what, I mean, what about the Grizzlies and Mavericks? And I sure. mean, the last time out, Mavericks played the Bucks, and it was an incredibly entertaining game that the Bucks ended up winning at the end. I just think that it's going to be a completely muddled race towards the end of the season. Yeah. Besides the, those four top teams, and it's going to come down to injuries. And so, I mean, the Grizzlies have not looked good this season whatsoever. And they're locking down the five seed in the It wasn't West. long ago that we were talking about, I think it was you and I on the podcast, you know, we were, we were saying as we're recording on a Tuesday afternoon, like, is Dave Yeager going to be fired by the time yes. this podcast is over? Like, that, that was a real thing not that long ago. And, and here we are, all of a sudden, they're 10 games above 500 at home. And, I mean, if you told them before the season that 46 games in, they would only be six games over, they probably wouldn't feel great about it. But if you followed that up with saying, hey, but you're only behind Golden State, San Antonio, OKC, and the Clippers... I don't know what else you could really expect. So other than the, the Rockets being much worse than we thought, and, and to their credit, they've somewhat turned things around. I mean, they're 7-3 and three in their last 10. They're, they've crawled to three games above 500. they they They're certainly in the thick of the playoff race. And there's, there's a sizable gap even between seven-seed Houston uh, and eight-seed Portland, who's also tied with Sacramento right now. It's a four-game gap. So, you know, there's, there's kind of those tiers. There's the top three. There's the top two, I should say, in the West. Maybe there's even the top one after what we saw on Monday. You know, tier one is Golden State, tier two, San Antonio, three and four, maybe OKC and the Clippers. And then you got Memphis, Dallas, Houston as your next three. And then from there on, I mean, it's kind of a crapshoot for those last few seeds. People are still hesitant to write off New Orleans. I mean, they're only three and a half out. I agree. And I think you can throw in the Eastern Conference teams, too. So I'm talking Raptors down to Wizards, and I even threw in the Bucks and Magic into that mix, too. I mean, I'm, I mean, let's talk about the whole entire NBA here. We talked about the Eastern Conference being better this season. I don't know. I just think the whole league as a whole is back down to average besides those four teams. Yeah, in some ways. I mean, I, I wanted to ask you about the Raptors. I mean, they're 9-1 and one in their last 10, you know, kind of peaking as we, as we head toward the All-Star break here. But you look at that team, and... DeRozan's having by far his best season. Kyle Lowry's having as good of a season, if not better, than he than he did last season when he started the All-Star game. Everything's kind of clicking for them, but they're so shallow. And they're doing this right now without Damari Carroll. Once he gets back, things look a little bit better. But still, that bench, you know, Corey Joseph is certainly an upgrade at point guard. But other than that, you're looking at Patrick Patterson, you know, guys like James Johnson, uh, Luis Scola playing playing decent minutes for this team. Are the Raptors, and uh, I apologize if this is kind of switching gears, if you have anything else you wanted to say about that, cut me off, but are the Raptors a team that you think needs to make a move this year to either say, you know, we're 15 games over 500 right now, that's great, but we really don't think we have a shot, so let's maybe move a piece, or are they saying, we think that we can beat the Cavs, you know, I, I think we look at the Cavs, we're only two games behind them, they're kind of scrambling right now, they just fired their coach, there's talk that they're going to, you know, that they want to trade one of their big three, maybe this is our time to to kind of rival them and maybe be be last season's Atlanta, but actually try to finish it off in the playoffs? I'm going to answer that question directly, but before I do that, I don't understand how this Raptors team has any room to stand on. I don't understand how they have a re- the record they do right now at 30-15. and 15. If you look at last night's box score, and this has been pretty representative of the season as a whole, Lowry gets 29, DeRozan gets 17. You look at the other three starters, Valanciunas is middle of the road. He gives you a low double-double, 13-12. and 12. Scola and Johnson combined for 10 points. I don't understand how this team is performing so admirably, and it does scare me to think that if they add a legitimate piece, a power forward, 
like a Ryan Anderson or something like, a Blake like Griffin, the, like a Blake Griffin, something along the lines of that. This team could be dangerously yes. good because I have no idea how they're this best good guard to begin combo, with. best guard combo in the Easy. East. Yeah, and Easy one of the East. top. You know, this season the way that the way that things have kind of shaken out. I mean, it's second. First best, of all, there just aren't that many good two guards. So that second like, best in the league behind Splash Bros. Right? Yeah, I mean the Splash Brothers are number one. Um, Portland would be your other one. Portland's up there. I mean, those are easily the top three. Yeah, I mean, you look at Portland, though, and it's like defensively there's kind of some issues. So many teams kind of go one or the other where, you know, Miami has great shooting guard, you know, average to slightly above average point guard. OKC, great point guard, below average shooting guard. And the shooting guard spot is where you really see, you know, a little bit of attrition. I I think the the Lawson-Harden combination on paper seemed great. Obviously, that hasn't been... Uh, maybe as good as people thought it would be. But, yeah, I mean, guard tandems, Knight and Bledsoe were great when they were healthy. Neither of them are healthy right now. Uh, so, this, I mean, Lowry and DeRozan are about as good as it gets right now. Valanchunas, everybody's still kind of up and down on him. I think he's only 22, 23. Like, there's room to grow there. But they, it feels like they're a power forward away. That's, that's, the, yes. that's the position right now uh, that I think separates them maybe from, from being more of a complete team. So the thing is, what do they give up for Blake Griffin if we want to get into that scenario? You know? I think we should because this this is a team, and you laid it out perfectly, that could potentially contend with the Cavs. I think not they, right now, definitely. They kind of snuck up. There was a while there where the Cavs went on that eight or nine game win streak, and it kind of seemed like, even though the coaching stuff was going on during that time, you know they were they were pounding teams, and it was starting to look like they were hitting their stride. And you know they're coming off of a win, and you know they've won two of their last three. But you know thirty one and twelve, thirty and fifteen. I think the Raptors kind of snuck up on some people. So if we're looking at the three most available power forwards out there, we're talking Ryan Anderson, uh, we're talking Markeith Morris, apparently we're talking Blake Griffin now. Um, there's no way that these two teams, the Cavaliers and the Raptors, would be involved in a deal. I don't think you would see Kevin Love go there. So, I mean, if we're choosing from those three power forwards, I think if you pick any of those three, this team does and is able to compete with the Cavaliers. So I'm not sure why they wouldn't try for it, especially since – Lowry's not a spring chicken. I understand Valanchunas is a solid center. He's definitely a spring chicken. Yeah, Valanchunas is definitely a spring chicken. Um, I just don't know what they can trade. Unless they want to leverage a bunch of future picks, which, one, teams are hesitant to do, but you kind of have to balance what you're getting back. You know, I was talking— I think you talk, go for it. Yeah, well, the, the expectation—if if you're doing that, the expectation is these are going to be back-end picks anyway, and it really won't matter that much, although there is some debate, you know, that— teams that have kind of made deals like that you know like Miami it seems like never had a first round pick for like four straight years all of a sudden you just don't have young players and you have to start going out and getting your Josh McRoberts and things like that um so let me ask you because Josh brought this up we were talking about the Raptors and he said their 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 record doesn't really count because it's happening in the east he still believes the east is well it is it is worth noting that this win streak uh, it, it, the schedule hasn't been that tough. Nine straight games, Brooklyn, Washington, Philly, Orlando, Brooklyn, Boston, Miami, the Clippers, and Washington. I mean, one team there that you really say, oh, it's a good win, and that's the Clippers. I think you just got to put all your eggs in the basket and just go for it when you have a tandem in the backcourt like this. Um, it takes you years to get a backcourt like this in terms of planning and picks and all that. The thing stuff. is, DeRozan expires this year. So that, that's all the more reason to get a Markeith Morris in the door or something like that. So you're saying just go for it this year? Or do you, I mean, you get a guy like Blake Griffin who has at least another year left. or could be two more. You know, Love, we know, has four years. Um, Markeith, I think, has three or four, including this year on a really, really team-friendly deal. Yeah. Uh, that would be an interesting one for well, sure. I, Toronto's not that far from Detroit. Right, but it's not like Markeith really cares where he's at as long as he's with his brother or 
We, don't we need really to get him what... on the record. He needs yes. to hold an emergency press Seriously. conference and just say where he wants to be, where he doesn't want to be. I don't. He doesn't. He hasn't. He certainly hasn't earned the respect of a guy like you know to have basically a no trade clause or a, I want to go here, here, and here. But just lay it out for us. You know, I want to know. Like, do you want to play with your brother or are you okay playing somewhere that's just not Phoenix? Right. Yeah. Let us know. I mean, once you put <laughs> it out there in the earth yeah, at, at WHA one the university uh, or the university, the universe gives you what you want if you put it out there and let it know. So come on, Markeith, let's go. Let's get it. Let's get the ball rolling. We thought you were going to be traded a month ago. Come on, man. Yeah, I just you know it's so hard to make hypothetical deals when we just don't know what you <laughs> want. We want to help you. Help us. Help you. So if I. Um, so given the record and the strength of schedule, do you think that the Raptors, if they don't make any moves whatsoever, they get Damari Carroll back, do they retain this number two spot in the East over the Hawks yes. and the Bulls, essentially? Yes, but I don't think they climb any higher, whether that means record-wise or ability to beat the Cavaliers-wise, if that makes sense. Um, I don't want to say that this is similar to last year's Atlanta team, I don't. People didn't think they would actually beat Cleveland in the playoffs, right? Or were there people outside of Atlanta that thought that? I feel like by the end of that season, it was pretty clear that this team had peaked in like March and or maybe even earlier, probably January when they went on that streak. Yeah, you got to have the momentum at the end of the year, not at the beginning or the middle. Yeah, it doesn't work this, out. That this way. Raptors team is similar in that it relies very heavily on a small group of players. Two. Well, that, but I mean, the Hawks was you know they're starting five plus one basically or one and a half. And then there was a big drop-off. I think Toronto is very similar in that respect. They don't rely so much on the three-point shooting, which is big. I think DeRozan's ability to get to the rim helps you a ton in playoff type of scenarios. But at the same time, I mean, Cleveland's better at at the top. Their their top five-man unit is better than the Raptors' top five-man unit, and their bench is better. So I don't I don't think Toronto really has a, a much of a chance there. But you look at them compared to Atlanta. I take Toronto if you're just looking at straight up, you know, head-to-head type of series. Chicago, sure. Boston, sure. Miami, they're not a team you want to face in the playoffs, but they also are only four games above 500 with what we thought would be a much better roster. So, I mean, there is, there is beginning to be some separation. And the Eastern Conference from 2 to 12 had been so bunched up uh, basically before this. But now it's, you know, there's Cleveland, and then there's two games in Toronto, and then there's three and a half games between the Raptors and the next best team, and that's Atlanta. Well, I mean, two teams have separated or, or three sure. if, essentially three have separated the raptor hawks and bulls which we expected but if you look at celtics down to bucks we only have a difference of of six games and so it's terrible not, and, and going into the the deadline you know we, we've talked trades the last couple days well it's action yeah well it can kind of go either way you know i think it, it certainly at this point right now you know a month out from the deadline or whatever it is three weeks um it's not great because if you're if you're the Knicks or a team like the Wizards who maybe has a couple parts, you know, Detroit, Boston especially, you can kind of either fool yourself into thinking you're going to contend or you can look at it this way and say, you know, if you're the Hawks or if you're the Knicks who are sitting there at 10 right now but only two games out, you know, some seasons when you're three games under at the break, you might be buried already. This season it's, you know, there's more teams in contention. So you can look at it as some teams have reason not to make moves and risk falling out, but other teams that wouldn't normally even be in this race are thinking, hey, maybe we can jump up. Yeah, I agree. And it could be, you know, the one or two teams that actually stay healthy, all their five starters stay healthy for the whole season, rise to the top. And that might be all it takes in a race as close this year. Exactly. What do you think about these Jeff Teague rumors that have come out? And they're, I guess I shouldn't say rumors. That's kind of the, the go-to term, I guess, for, for any kind of trade talk. But apparently he's available. And this isn't exactly a surprise, um, I guess, unless... 
you know, we, we, we've talked about in the past, you know, they have to choose one or the other, him or Schroeder. Um, Schroeder, of course, is the cheaper option, the more, you know, they can lock him up on a, on a, a new deal in a couple of years, whereas Teague is up, I think, after next year uh, on what's a friendly deal. But, you know, do you really want to be negotiating with a 28-year-old point guard at that point when you have a 22- or 23-year-old Schroeder right there? Basically, they have to move one of them. And if Teague's available at the deadline, I wanted to ask you what you see as some potential options for him. Buck's Twitter wants him in Milwaukee. I would be fine with that, but nobody wants to give anything up for him. Bucks Twitter? Yeah. But oh, people talking about the Bucks on Twitter. Not like or the, the Bucks actual, account, okay, but like okay, just, okay. just generally say, wow. No, no, no. That's a very bold move. <laughs> yeah, that would, I, I don't know if that would be tampering, but I think it would be. I think it is. I well, think that's definitely tampering. It's a clear decision to me, first of all, who if you pick Teague or, or Schroeder. Teague is twenty seven, Schroeder's twenty two. And essentially, you well, know, I think they're pretty close in, in terms of production. The numbers this year are very, very similar per 36. Teague's been a better shooter. Schroeder's been better assist-wise, rebounds-wise. Points, they're almost identical. But, you know, blind blind test, the age, the production. You're picking Schroeder every single time. you got five more years of him, friendly contract. Yeah. You said it. So if Teague is legitimately on the market, going for the Bucks, like, I mean— why nobody wants to give up Jabari nobody they're not giving up Giannis and they shouldn't I'm not saying they should get up give up Jabari either but if you if you're hoping to get anything significant which T is he's a he's an all-star last year if you want this guy you're not just gonna be able to dangle OJ Mayo in a a protected 2018 pick or something you know like the Hawks are are in so third place in the east right now they're not in the business of selling off assets for nothing so Carter Williams moves to the bench in this scenario Jerry Bayless continues to come off the bench um, I think the, you could even throw Bayless into a deal because he's he kind of acts as your backup point guard then. Otherwise they're at they're, otherwise they're doing Shelvin Mack. Okay, well here's here's the issue with Milwaukee now, and it's a serious issue. Their starters last night against Orlando, and you said you were watching this, so I'm sure it was very apparent to you. Only attempted five three pointers. Middleton, Middleton? Middleton accounted for four of them. Carter Williams took one. <sighs> what they need in the deadline is to get somebody who can shoot some freaking threes out there. Yes. And so Teague isn't the answer to that necessarily. I I think he's not I mean he's not Curry, but they have point their point guard right now just doesn't even shoot threes. They don't need a guy who's gonna come in and shoot forty five percent. They need a guy who can like thirty five percent from three would be a revelation. Just like somebody that can make Open defenses respect. Right away. There were a couple times, like I always watch the game and then have it on League Pass on my laptop just to kind of, you know, League Pass is always like 10 seconds behind. So if you miss something quick, you can take a look. And there were, and the great thing about League Pass is also you can pause it, obviously. And there are times, so I'm looking, you know, Bucks are in a half court set and I would, you know, get under 10 seconds on the shot clock and I would just kind of go frame by frame of what's happening. And it's, you know, Henson standing on the block, Parker standing four feet, you know, higher up towards the free throw line, basically still on the block. Giannis kind of hangs out in the corner. Like they're, they're not, none of those guys are threats to shoot. So even, even if Giannis takes four steps back and is behind the, free, the three-point line, it doesn't matter. The defender's not going to move. The defender, any team that scouts the Bucks and, and every team obviously does that plays them, is going to say, don't run out on these guys. They're, none of those guys are even knocked down one dribble pull-ups at this point you know Parker's been terrible from the mid-range and Giannis has been just as bad they, they you're 100% right they need shooting um I don't know how I don't know how they necessarily get it without giving up somebody who can shoot though right it, unless you know, you're unless it's Parker you you know what I'm gonna say here you got to bring in what's what's the matter with bringing in somebody like Moro or like a Robert Covington I know you hate on this every time as long as I'm but not these tr- are guys that wing defenders have to respect 
and have to step out on. And it's going to create more space for your Parkers and your Giannis's sure. to drive and do whatever they want. But you need a legitimate guy. We're talking Jared Bayless is the only guy that, that is even respected from beyond the arc, if he is even respected. Outside of Middleton, right. Um, right yeah, sorry. Well, O.J. Mayo was kind of supposed to be that guy. That's another point well, here. That's out the he, one, he's hurt. Two, he's shooting under 30% from three on the year. So that, I mean, that... It's not like the Bucks just grossly ignored this. In some ways, they kind of did. Um, you know, the Ursan trade that that was that was going to happen for a long time. You know, like Ursan was kind of on the block forever. I don't I don't necessarily fault them for not loading up on shooting, but they don't have anyone at small forward or power forward really that could shoot the ball. Chris Copeland was out of the rotation within like a week and a half because he was so <laughs> bad defensively that he's still on the bench for some reason. And again, you know, Mayo, I think they thought Mayo would be better. He was pretty good last year per minute. You know, the, the overall minutes per game were down. But they need somebody in the front court, I think, who can shoot the ball, whether that's a power forward or a small forward, you know, obviously a stretch forward type of guy is the right fit. Patrick Patterson, one guy I actually threw out for them. Uh, I, I forget what the exact deal was. Maybe I think it was Bayless and Mayo for, or Bayless and Plumley. Yes. Yeah. For Patrick Patterson and Anthony Bennett, which Bennett's just filler, you know, take your pick of whoever you want in the end of that It's a boring trade, but it, it helps the Bucks out for sure. Yeah. Or even like Darrell Arthur was another guy I threw mm-hmm. out and not an exciting name, but just anybody because Any, as fun I, as Parker is to watch, I got a text from my friend last night after the game is didn't catch the game tonight, but saw Parker's line. How exciting. It's, you know, he didn't phrase it like that. My friends don't talk like that, thankfully, but <laughs> right away, I just like, I didn't, all my response was just a picture of his shot chart and he was six for eight from the field two misses from the mid-range and all six makes were clustered within the basically a half inch of the rim you know you on know, this photo so you know who else's shot chart has looked like that for over the course of his career Zaza Pachulia well yeah but Derek Williams I'm telling you man don't you dare if you don't voice Derek that on Williams. Twitter they will get you, um, get you. we got to move on from Buckstock because we do it too much yeah. before we do that head over to DraftKings as you probably already have been doing this season me and Nick have have been spending out spending some time on that as well you can enter Promo code Roto Hoops or Roto Wire for a free contest entry today. That's Roto Hoops or Roto Wire. And join us over at DraftKings playing on DFS NBA tonight, tomorrow night, really for the rest of the season. Correct. Correct indeed. All right, what are we what are we moving on to here? Okay, so what I'd like to move on to, um, we've talked about it before. We'll talk about it again with the Phoenix 76ers game. 76ers get a win, 113 to 103. Don't look now, but seven wins. Seven wins in the barrel. I think the 76ers team is actually pretty fun to watch with Ish Smith on the court. They You've are. got Bobby Covington bombing threes. You've got Cannon literally bombing threes. And then you have versatile players like Jakar Sampson, Hollis Thompson, Rashawn Holmes, uh, Jeremy Grant. These guys are really fun, athletic players that attack the rim, and Ish creates some alley-oop opportunities to them. Aesthetically, I like to admit publicly, I like watching Sixers games now. You're on the record now as saying that. But no, you're right. I think this is probably uh, the most fun iteration of the tanking Sixers (laughs) that we've seen, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the only veteran that they really have around is Carl Landry. Oh, Elton Brand and Carl Landry. I haven't seen a lot of, of old EB yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, even after the game last night, Nerlens Noel was doing an interview and Ish Smith came up and, and hugged him and yelled something into the microphone. Like that's just something that you haven't seen in Philadelphia in, in years, really. Right. You know, people having fun on the basketball court and <laughs> fans cheering and yeah, they beat the, the super shorthanded sons, whatever. But we, I think you and I talked about this and I hate to keep using that transition basically over and over but we talked about this earlier in the season when there was some talk of you know who uh, who's going to lose 10 or who's going to get to 10 first you know the wizard or the warriors with losses or uh the sixers with wins and 
they started so badly, but this has kind of happened every year with the Sixers. They get off to a horrific start, and then all of a sudden, guys start to play a little bit better. They bring in guys like Ish Smith. They kind of they work the ten day contract wire and get some guys. And like you said, all of a sudden they're up to seven wins, which is by no means an accomplishment. But considering they were one in what twenty something yeah. at one point, uh, I mean, if, if you take over the last month, they've been a, a somewhat respectable basketball team. I agree. They're fun to watch. I'm excited about their future. The only thing I want to see is I want to see Ish Smith on this team for the next four years. I want to see Noel. I want to see Covington. And then obviously your Okafers and whatnot. I want to see those guys on this team for the next four years. You had your tanking plan. Whatever you got, you got. Stick with the core now, right now. This is the core you've got. Let's just see if it works. If it doesn't work, whatever you know what I mean but I think this is the core I like it I think they should just go with it and let them progress and learn and get experience together as as a core group next year will be very telling for them because Dario Sarge comes over they get at least one pick and Bede is back and Bede is back that's where for me you have to look and say can you really roster three centers like this that are all big time assets I don't know I think you can at least to start the year because Embiid is the kind of the big wild card, right? So in 12 months, I think Embiid, Okafor, or Noel is out the door as long sure. as Embiid shows that next he can deadline. be an NBA player before the next deadline. Well, it's so risky because if you're Philadelphia, you obviously want to see what you have in Embiid, but they, it can either turn out really well or really poorly. You know, So say he comes, say he's ready to start next season – and he either just looks really bad, like a guy who hasn't played basketball in two years, or he plays 10 games and goes full Greg Oden and gets hurt again, and he's out for the year. At that point, the value of him is completely gone. It's gone. Like There's just nothing you can, there's nothing you can do to recoup that, nothing regardless of where he was drafted. It doesn't matter. He's basically going to be in Greg Oden's position, Andrew Bynum's position, which was unguaranteed one-year deals until you really prove for a long stretch you can do anything. So... At this point, he's still somewhat of an asset. So if they were to, to say, we like Okafor and Noel, even though there's this guy, this Embiid guy who could end up being pretty good, you could trade him before he ever plays to mitigate the risk of him lowering his value lower than it already is. So, I mean, you're not going to go deal him for a high, a great asset at this point, but I think there's, there's the risk that he could be less valuable than he is right now. Yeah, and uh, there's lots of different ways to look at it because you do have three players that play the same position all with different ceilings and different floors at this point. So, um, hmm. that's I don't think they would do that. I think you got to see what you have, and then and then you can sell one of them off at next deadline. But you can't have all three of those guys on the roster. Oh, I agree. I mean, you can't even apparently you can't even have Noel and Okafor on the same roster. So, I mean, it hasn't really been working out well yeah. in terms of offense and, and defensive efficiency. So, well, that's the thing is like this team is. I mean, the talent overall is so bad still, but they actually have players now. You know, a couple of years ago, it was Michael Carter Williams, and that was it. You know, now you at least have two pretty good young guys, two young big men, and a, and a capable point guard. And we're starting to see them, I guess, compete with the Brooklyns and the Phoenixes and the Milwaukee's and teams like that, which is, I guess, a step in the right direction. It has to be. Well, that's the only next step to take. There's no other yeah. way to go. Um, anyways, fun to look out. Uh, I think the fun, uh, the team is fun to watch, and the franchises. Uh, options and decisions they have to make over the next 12 months should be incredibly interesting it's just nice that they're watchable yes you know they're they're still accomplishing their goal on the whole they're you know they're losing at least 
eight out of every 10 games, which is fine, but they're, they're staying in games or having games like this the other, like last night, that was a fun game to watch. It was back and forth. It was high scoring. Uh, and you know, they end up winning. So it's okay if they come out on the winning end once every 10, 15 games. Yeah. All right. Last thing I want to talk about that I think is most relevant from last night's games, Nick is the Kings trailblazers game. Um, I know you went on NBA TV last night, suggested cousins and he just you know it was just too much for him 421 from the field just couldn't quite put together a couple performances in a row which is understandable double overtime very emotional game what I'm most disappointed from this game um, and Gay didn't play by the way with that eye issue he's not going to play Thursday either did but, you see that when that happened yeah, by the way it was, that was bad and I felt so bad for him trying to shoot those free throws like you could like visibly see water it yes. was like a crying Jordan meme like his face <laughs> it was crazy like, I had he was almost kind of – I don't even think he was in that much pain. I think he was just in disbelief because he would wipe the eye, and then immediately it would just start, yeah. like, gushing You're water, You're making basically. my eyes tear up right now. Yeah, that was – uh, But, yeah, of course, the rule is if you don't shoot your free throws after you're fouled, you can't come back into the game, so that's why he was playing. He um, made one of two. He made one and two, which is – he's a true Big free throws at the time. But he's, uh, he's out for, you know, the last night, Tuesday, and he'll be out Thursday again. My most disappointing thing getting back to it is that – not only does Sacramento give up the most attempts for three-pointers by a wide margin, but they give up the most made three-pointers by a wide margin. We're talking a whole, a whole like point, a whole, um, you know, one attempt. percentage point, not a percentage, oh. a whole one more attempt on average than oh, the next oh. team in the whole entire league. And if you're looking at that, that's in, uh, that's a really big thing. And so coming into this game, I was looking squarely at Dame. I was looking squarely at McCollum to just go off last night from beyond the arc, going against the worst three-pointing sh- shooting team, to defending team in the league. They combine and go 2 of 10, and I just don't know what happened. I mean, Portland still wins, and they those two individuals come away with a good game. But on the whole, I, I was very, very disappointed that two of the best three-point shooters in the league didn't perform well against the worst defending shooting three-point team in the league, which I can't say. Yeah, I, it was a weird scenario because Sacramento came into this game, it was, you know, a home road back-to-back, second end of a double overtime loss in, in a game that it seemed like they were going to win the entire time the way that Boogie Cousins was playing, and you know, obviously that didn't end uh, like they wanted it to. But I'll show you this picture quick, and I, I tweeted this out last night if, if you really want to see it, just how the how Portland was playing Cousins. It was ridiculous, like the way that they were shading him, and it, obviously it's uh, it's terrible to try to explain a photo via podcast, but basically the still that I took of Cousins just, just taking like the first step of a drive to the hoop, Myers Leonard's right in front of him, Gerald Henderson and Alan Crabb are collapsing, totally abandoning their guys, Caspi and Bellinelli, which are good three-point shooters, guys you don't want to necessarily leave, just to double Cousins, and the way this possession ended was offensive foul on DeMarcus Cousins, really? and that, that was just kind of the night it was, and you could just see, he just looked worn out. I mean, the four, of, the four of 21 shooting, I think when you're coming off of a stretch like he was, you know, 10, 15 games in a row where he's just been dominant, uh, and then, you know, kind of capped by this 48, 56-point performances back-to-back, like, even though he was probably dog-tired coming into this game, I think he, he, he had to go in with that mindset that, I'm going for 50 again, like, what, what, what about the last month says that I can't do it, you know, and about this Blazers defense, and I think they were ready for that, I think he just kind of finally hit that wall that... You know, if you're playing DFS and you look, you know, I think you made the argument to me saying that it was dumb to, to recommend Cousins last night, which is fair in retrospect for sure. Dumb but, is a little strong. But, like, you know, he, he puts together five straight games of, like, 50-plus fantasy points. At what point do you start saying, you know, you always want to say, like, this is the night he doesn't do it. This is the night he doesn't do it. Well, 
you know, there was going on like 10 nights in a row where he just kept doing it. So yeah, you know, I apologize if anybody watched NBA TV and, and thought that I was smart, but I certainly was not. I, I was very much wrong about Cousins last night. Oh, I'm going on tomorrow and Thursday, and I'm sure I'll make myself look like a fool as well. So you'll, you'll get me back in due time. Anything you want to talk about heading into Thursday or looking back at Tuesday before we jump off of this emergency pod? Um, it's got to be something. Uh, well, I mean, something. Well, the Blake Griffin news, I feel like, is still kind of the biggest resonating story right now. Um, you know, the Cavs, David Blatt, that's still yeah, going we on. Talked, yeah, me and you talked quite at length quite yesterday. We we a very passionate podcast with a lot of good topics. If if you're interested in that, um, it does it kind of stands the test of time. I, I would think say, it does. Yesterday's pod. So go ahead and check. Yeah, some check good on banter that. there. I want to. What about uh, Houston, San Antonio tonight? Okay. Uh, what just, do you just, talk about? just in general, where, where is this going? San Antonio is coming off the loss. We talked about them uh, on yesterday's pod as a team that you don't think of as a revenge type of team, you know, a team that, that, that loses and, and is going to come out and kill the next team, especially when it's Houston who beat them on Christmas Day pretty handily. Um, so if there is a scenario where you, where you say the Spurs are going to try to really bring it all, I guess, maybe it's this coming off of a loss and going up against a team that beat them earlier this year. Uh, this one's in San Antonio. Basically, are you are you expecting a big Spurs rebound, or do you think Houston can stay in this? Well, the Spurs are twenty four and zero at home this year, so from that vantage point, I would say, yeah, I think they're just going to win and handle business at home. But Duncan is out again tonight with that knee injury, so I'm not sure if they're just trying to solidify the fact uh, that that he was absent against the Warriors. Um, I don't think there's any revenge factor with this team. We talked about it. I think from the top of the organization to the last man on the roster, the 15th man on the roster, probably Boban, that, uh, you know, they're just so savvy. They don't let things like revenge or getting angry really get into, you know, their psyche too much. So I think the Spurs win tonight and they win handily, but not necessarily because they're just pissed off and rageful about the Christmas Day game or getting embarrassed. Are you suggesting the that they're just a better team than the Houston Rockets? How dare I? No, 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 I agree with you. I think they'll get it done. Uh, this is a team that losing back to back games just seems unfathomable at this point, which exactly. is kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that just about wraps it up. Anything else that you want to talk about with these games tonight or even looking ahead? No, I'm all good. I mean, in all honesty, we talked about on yesterday's pod. I'm the next marquee matchup for me is I just want to see if the Spurs go into quote unquote tank mode against the Warriors once again, to see if my theory is proven again. We talked about it at length on yesterday's pod, but I'm just very curious to see if the Spurs, you know, don't tank necessarily but they just are completely indifferent about beating the warriors and they play three more times we'll find out we certainly will all right yeah again i mean we apologize for the brevity of this one obviously some tech issues influencing that but i'll be back again tomorrow three straight uh rotowire fantasy basketball podcasts i'll be joined by james anderson so as always um DraftKings, rotowire good websites wix another good website we should probably tell the people about wix shouldn't we uh, yeah, we can tell people about Wix.com. Feel free to head over, create a stunning website today. One of the proud sponsors of RotoWire's Fantasy Basketball Podcast. So easy to do. Results come out stunning. You don't need to know anything about programming whatsoever. Head over to wix.com and make your own website today. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is... Quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? 
Of course it's dangerous. Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.